The hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Glad you could join me today. We are going to be focusing in on our core philosophy. Specifically, I want to give you a list of things that I think you should read, especially if you're managing your own portfolio. So let's get right to it. We are no doubt, no doubt value-oriented in our thinking. We always look at investments from a risk-reward perspective. I've found that if you can determine how much downside risk, as much as you can determine something like that, but if you can determine how much downside risk there is in an investment and you build a portfolio around the ownership of companies that you believe have limited downside, then you're going to do well. You'll do especially well if you also own growing companies that have limited downside risk. When I look at an investment, I think about how much risk I'm taking. How much downside is there in that stock? And I'll ask myself this three or four times. And that's even before I start to think about what the upside might be. Warren Buffett, he has two rules for investing. Rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. And he's absolutely right. That's the key to investing. Don't have big losers that offset your inevitable big winners. And that's why we're value investors. We focus on the downside risk. And if you do that, you don't give away the upside. You can have your cake and eat it too. Now, I only want to buy companies that are growing, typically growing earnings of say, Uh, 10% a year, but they also have to have very strong balance sheets and relatively low PE multiples. I know, I know this has been increasingly difficult over the last couple of years. I'm guessing our typical company, it trades at about uh, 20% or so discount to the S&P 500's PE, but it has a growth rate of maybe 20% higher than the S&P. The key to doing all this is doing your homework and being very patient, waiting until you can buy your companies at inexpensive prices. It isn't enough. It isn't enough to identify growing free cash flow generating businesses, but you also need to buy them at the right price. I like to say there are two questions that you have to ask yourself anytime you're making an investment in the stock market. Question number one is, what kind of business do I want to own? And question number two, which is just as important, what price am I willing to pay for that business? Now, with a little background for newer listeners, let me start off topic number one about what you need to do to be a successful investor. How can you develop your own core set of beliefs in investing? Hear this loud and clear. You're going to be unsuccessful, possibly dramatically slow. So, unless you develop a solid core set of beliefs and you stick with them through thick and thin. In the early days of my career, that's the late 90s, I saw a lot of so-called value managers throw aside their methodologies and go along with the crowd. 
because everybody, everybody, the news media, their mom, their dad, all their compatriots, their clients, especially were telling them that they needed to be in technology stocks. That was, that was the only path to wealth. And thus, again, they threw away their methodologies and they piled into technology. The long story made short, it took them about 15 years to recover their losses. Clearly doing so, that was the absolutely wrong thing to do. But of course, it happened many, many times because they really didn't know. I mean, they really didn't know why they were value managers. And if you don't really know why value performs over the long term, then you'll likely get sidetracked at some point. I don't know what the next thing will be. Maybe it's passive investing, but there'll be some kind of mini bubble. Probably not like the technology bubble, but something else is going to come along and try and distract you from your core set of investing beliefs, your core principles. Before we talk about books and publications that I think will really help you understand value investing. Let me give you a few facts about the performance of value versus growth. Ibbotson, that's the one that everyone looks at. And they've done all these long-term studies about how bonds have done and how stocks have done, the different styles of, of investing, et cetera. Ibbotson goes back to 1927. Since 1927, the small cap value style of investing has returned 14.1% a year versus small cap growth that has given you returns of 8.7%. So, my mama my, my, my asked me, would you rather have 14% or 8.7%? And even I can figure out that 14% is a whole lot better than 8.7%. That's 5.5% a year difference. Put it like this. If you had invested a dollar in small cap value in 1927, that would have grown to over $19,000 today. If you had invested a dollar in small cap growth, that $1 would have grown to $500. 500 versus 19,000. I think you can figure out which one you'd rather have. Large cap value would have returned on average since 1927 11.5%. Large cap growth, nine. That's a difference of two and a half percent per year. The numbers tell you that value is the way to go. And frankly, common sense tells you that it's a lot better to buy stocks that are inexpensive than stocks that are expensive. Well, why don't more people adopt this method of value investing if it's so great? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. And one of the books that we're going to be talking about is going to tell you exactly why. There's this deep ingrained belief by folks that, number one, they have this great predictive power. They can figure out what's going to happen in the future. And number two, it just seems that people, it just seems to people that high growth companies would give you the highest returns on a long-term basis. And it usually doesn't turn out to be that way. The problem is most people can't predict the future. And then number two, what looks like a, what looks to be a rapid growing company or a rapid growth industry ends up not being that way forever. Why? Because if it's a rapid growth industry, 
there'll be a great deal of capital that's going to flow into that industry by venture capital or other companies starting up divisions, smart guys and gals coming out of college with startup companies that would compete to get into this new and exciting area. And all that increased competition kills off the high returns. You saw it in the technology area. You've seen it in uh, the TV industry back in the 20s, the railroads in the 1840s and on and on. How many auto, uh, auto companies were formed in the 1920s, the 1930s and the 1940s? Literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. How many have survived? Very few. So high growth attracts a great deal of competition and kills off the excess returns. How do you learn how and why value works so that you really, really, really believe in your heart of hearts that this is the way to go and you won't get sidetracked in the future? How do you develop this solid core set of beliefs? You got to read. Let me give you five books that I think are going to help you enormously. Number one, and we've been recommending this for more than 20 years. This is this author has two different books. So we've been recommending, uh, so we haven't been recommending the same book. The last book by David Dremen, and the title of it is The Contrarian Investment Strategy, The Next Generation. It's going to give you study after study detailing large cap versus small cap, growth versus value, what outperforms and why. And it's going to show you that time after time, Buying what's out of favor, buying value-oriented, low PE stocks dramatically outperforms. But he's also going to explain why. So all of a sudden, that light bulb will go off and you'll go, gosh, you know, that makes sense to me. I understand why value investing works and thus you'll stick with it. That's the number one book I want you to read. You also need to read a Warren Buffett book, and there's tons of them. I've read a lot of them. One of the best, in my opinion, is by Roger Lowenstein. He wrote Buffett, The Making of an American Capitalist. It's, a, it's an excellent book. That's my favorite of the Buffett books. He's going to teach you about how Warren Buffett thinks. And of course, he's one of the most successful investors of all time. I would also suggest that you read a book by Phil Fisher. This was written back in the 1950s, and it's absolutely pertinent today, and it's called Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits. This is not about deep value, like security analysis by Benjamin Graham would be. This is a little bit of a more growthy approach, but it will teach you that you can't just buy cheap. You need to buy growing companies. I've always suggested that you read a book about accounting so that you can understand cash flow statements and balance sheets and figure out uh, how the earnings work. So I'd say read Financial Statement Analysis, A Practitioner's Guide. It's by two fellows, Friedson and Alvarez. And I tell you, it's an excellent blend of accounting fundamentals, which you need, practitioner's experience, and then some real life examples. I highly, highly recommend this one. It's financial statement analysis, a practitioner's guide. Hopefully by reading these, it'll help you reinforce this idea that you need to go against the crowd. You need to do something different, something different from what everybody else is doing. Because if you do what everybody else is doing, 
by different definition, you're not going to do better than the crowd. You're going to underperform. You've got to read at least three of these books. David Dremmen's, a Warren Buffett book, and then hopefully you'll read an accounting type book. And that will help you develop this core set of beliefs, which is imperative. This is the most important thing that you should get out of today's show, that you have to develop this, this belief, this absolute belief that value works. Then I would suggest that if you're managing your own money, you got to do certain things week in, week in, week out. You've got to read the Wall Street Journal on a daily basis, not Investors Business Daily. That's that's for traders. Forget that one. I don't read it. I don't find it very useful. You've got to read Barron's on a weekly basis. Then you got to read all the annual reports and the quarterly reports on your holdings and, or, or you're not going to be able to make a decision on whether you ought to continue to hold them or not. Those are must. Those are the must. And then you got to read Value Line. That's an absolute must. You got to read Value Line every single week. There are a lot of things that I read, but if you don't read the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, the quarterly and the annual reports in Value Lines, then I don't think you'll be successful. I'll leave it there for the reading. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the do's and don'ts. Common Sense Investing will be back in a minute. You worked hard, you saved and invested along the way. Now you wanna make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you, whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement, it's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to today's program. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. Hey, if you have a question for the show, email us at podcast at xmlfg.com. It's podcast, which is plural at xmlfg.com. I just spent a good bit of time going through some books that I think that you might want to read to develop your core set of beliefs. Let's talk about some of the don'ts. We typically talk about the do's, what you ought to be looking at in investing, the positives, what stocks you ought to be buying or looking at, you know, bonds, philosophies, etc. But what about the things to stay away from? What are the few things, or more than a few things, what are the things that are going to hurt your portfolio? And I got a list here. Let me go through a few. Can't go through all of them, but let me go through a few. The number one big mistake that I see people making would be dealing with options. 90% of the people listening should not be involved with options. And frankly, I think the only reason you would ever use an option would be for hedging a portfolio. And I tell you, On a long-term basis, the cost of hedging a portfolio is so high that you're probably never going to use them. I don't think you need to worry about learning about them. You hear a lot of people talking about covered call writing, and it's an easy story for a salesman to sell. You see all kinds of ads that talk about covered call writing and how it's going to be a safe way of making money. Let me say this, that if it was a safe way of generating 10 or 15% type returns or making money, 
Don't you think people like Warren Buffett and Sir John Templeton and John Neff, all the great mutual fund managers, don't you think that they would have used, utilized covered call writing? Back in the late 70s, 80s, I tell you, it was a hot item. They came out with billions of dollars worth of covered call mutual funds. I tell you, all the major firms had a covered call writing fund. Within five years, they'd all closed down. Why? Because it didn't work. And here's the reason why they don't work. Basically, you have a strategy that calls for limiting your upside and having unlimited downside. If the salesmen that were promoting covered call writing seminars were to be honest, that's what they would call it. That's what they would title it. Not a covered call writing seminar, but a strategy for limiting your upside and having unlimited downside risk. Of course, if they said that, nobody would show up. But that's exactly what you have. Number two, and I think this goes without saying, but I don't want you to be speculating in penny stocks. You just plain don't do it, period. That's all we need to talk about for number two. Number three on the list, and it's a major don't. Please, please turn down or even turn off the TV. Turn off CNBC. Most of the time, you're not getting great information. You're going to get the very topical type information, what's happening right now, right at this second, which isn't really pertinent to long-term investing. And frankly, it could move you in the wrong direction. Also, don't listen to your friends, at least not for stock tips. You know, they, they don't really know. They can whisper in your ear that ABC is going to get taken over. You know, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know what the great new product in 10 years is going to be. They're probably the 80th person or even the 8,000th person that's already heard about this. And the stock, the stock probably already reflects what's going on in its stock price. CNBC will turn you into a trader and probably create a disastrous situation for your portfolio as you trade in and out and then you end up not knowing why you own something. You remember something in the back of your mind that somebody on CNBC said something about it and you don't know why you sold it. So forget it. You just don't do it. Okay. It's just not going to give you usable information on a long-term basis. They're going to be talking about what's happening now, right now. And I don't think that's going to do you much good. Number four, and that's tied into number three here. Don't trade too much. One of the keys to successful investing is treating your money and your investment in the stock market is as if you're buying part of a business, not little pieces of paper that just shuffle around. I like to fantasize out loud that I just inherited $8 billion. Lucky me. If I inherited $8 billion, do you think I would listen to CNBC and buy a bunch of stocks with my $8 billion? just because they talked about it on, on TV? No. Would I listen to my friends about how to invest my $8 billion? Of course not. I'd be very serious about it. And I would suggest that you need to be very serious about this too. You would either spend a great deal of time researching or you'd probably hire some very, very professional money managers that spend a great deal of time doing it. You wouldn't be trading in and out of stocks is my point. There are studies after studies that have shown that the higher turnover 
of mutual funds, the lower the returns. Studies have shown the higher the turnover in an individual's portfolio, you guessed it, the lower the return. There's one out there uh, that analyzes folks that deal with Charles Schwab. And this isn't a knock against Charles Schwab at all. But what they were saying was that people that are dealing with Schwab that trade a lot, and these are supposedly sophisticated people that deal with a discount broker, significantly underperform the people that deal with the same firm that have very low turnover. There's no doubt that there's an inverse relationship between activity and performance. And it's the same with mutual funds. There have been a number of studies that have shown that mutual funds that are active traders underperform those that aren't. I also want to say that it doesn't mean that you fall in love with your stocks and you never sell. No, you, you can't fall asleep at the switch here. You need to pay attention. Sometimes you do need to take a little money off the table. And again, keeping turnover low, but you at least need to pay attention to it. If you have high turnover, what is that telling you? It's telling you that you're surely not investing. You're just speculating. It surely tells you you don't really have any insight. You're just trying to scalp a couple of points and play the greater fool game. Greater fool than I'll come along and take a stock off your hands at a higher price. Don't be a trader. Number five, number five is important. Be careful about buying a stock just because it went down. Some of you will, will take from our show or take some concepts of value investing and apply it, but not all of it. And one of them is that you ought to be pursuing the new load list and buying stocks that are down in price. But that isn't the reason to buy it. Not just that. Not, that's not the reason alone just because it's down, you always have to step back and rationally do the analysis. I'm for sure not telling you not to pursue the new low list. We do it all the time. But a stock that's down isn't a reason to buy it. You have to buy it because the valuation is down, because the valuation is inexpensive. Be real careful about earnings reports. We talk all the time about PE ratios. Frankly, when we do our analysis, we're not looking at PEs. We're looking at price to free cash flow. The PE is something that people can hang their hats on, something that they know, something that they're familiar with, and thus we talk about it. But we look at price to free cash flow. I'll also say that if you just blindly bought low PE stocks, you're going to statistically outperform the market historically. But you can do a lot better if you understand about earnings, real earnings, the ones we call free cash flow. So be careful about earnings reports, as I said. A lot of these companies have gone from gap earnings to pro forma earnings. And that scares me. I want you to focus on gap earnings on most occasions. If you're going to be a serious investor, you need to learn how to do some basic fundamental cash flow analysis. Gave you a book earlier that it will teach you. And you can go to some websites like investopedia.com and they'll teach you how to determine free cash flow. That's something that you're going to need to do, something in order to be successful. In my opinion, in order to be really successful, you need to be able to determine free cash flow. Number six on the list 
Don't go chasing yield. I think I mentioned this last week or the week before. Some of the biggest mistakes I've seen in my career were made by people chasing yield, buying something because of the high dividend or the high current yield. And that has the potential for blowing up. Just be careful about chasing yield. You're going to need to understand all the ins and outs. And just because it has a high dividend or a high yield doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean that you don't need to understand what you're buying. One final one to be leery of is buying yesterday's winners. In the past, we've showed why buying what didn't well in the past we've showed showed you why buying what didn't work the year before might very well be a winning strategy in the following year a lot of dow people do this but buying yesterday's winners and the previous year's winners is almost a sure prescription for underperforming that's in essence momentum investing and of course that's why people blow up buying what has been going up and anticipating that it's going to continue to go up. Since it's already gone up, if it doesn't continue to go up, then you're going to be in trouble. So be real careful about the rear view mirror investing. And that's about all the time we have for, uh, that's about all the time we have today. Next week, we're bringing on Brett Bernstein, co-founder here at XML, and Brett's a CFP, and financial planning is the topic. You don't want to miss it. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. The opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the host and may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.